The job. The stress. We are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics. Politics. Pressure. Pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. Thank you very much for joining me. For everybody that's watching, this is Rich from Team South Florida. We've, uh, we've started doing more of these Instagram Lives due to some requests. We still do the podcast, but these seem to be a lot more interactive. Tonight, I'm joined by JP. I'll, JP, I'll allow you to briefly introduce yourself. Go ahead, sir. All right. Good evening, everyone. I'm JP Guillot. I am a lieutenant with um, a large uh, agency here in South Florida. I am the commander of the our, our police academy. I also uh, do some uh, of the field force training in our department, and I've been on, uh, in law enforcement for 25 years. Uh, love what I do, and I'm uh, extremely uh, uh, happy to be here with you guys to discuss some topics. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We're really happy to have you and happy to have the experience that you bring to the table. So for those that are on here in the comments, I'm trying to watch out. You just got a shout out, LT. It's a shout out, LT, the best of the best. I'm going to try these comments and questions and everything as we're going, but let me just briefly give you an open-ended question. 25 years, give or take roughly, how have things changed from an academy perspective, a recruitment, the type of recruit, training, just an open-ended, vague question. Loaded question. Huh? First question off the off the bat, um, man. I'm gonna start off by saying that our the, the recruits we're getting now are are very committed. Um, just a little bit back, I'm a lieutenant now, but I was an officer with the uh, with our police department. I used to train in the uh, in the academy as an officer, so I haven't seen much change as far as the spirit and the commitment of the recruits. Uh, they're there to do a job, and they they sign up and they are very motivated. Uh, they give us 100 percent. Our police academy uh, we talked about before is very um, very tough, but it, the, the recruits are very committed, 100%. Their families are committed. They're committed to the to the to the job, and uh, to service our community. So I, don't, I haven't seen the uh, the lack of commitment and and wanting to learn from the from the uh, from the recruits. Uh, what I have seen is that uh, our, our academies now in state the state of Florida has 41 academies throughout the state of Florida. So if you go to an academy in uh, in Miami or go to the academy in Tallahassee or Orlando it's the same the curriculum is the same everybody runs the academy a little bit different depending on what academy you go to but the instructions are the same and and pretty much you can you can go to any academy the instruction the curriculum is going to be the same i think that nationwide uh we've had some trouble um recruiting officers right uh, obviously things that are going around and if and the officers are out there now that if you can answer this question i, I guess they will answer your question right would you would you uh, want your uh, your son or your daughter to become a police officer? And and I, I will guarantee you that the answer will be no. So if we can't recruit our own. Uh, we have an issue. So um, uh, we're seeing it. We see we saw last week or two weeks ago, Chicago had a, a lot of people retire. New York, Seattle, and this is across the country. Uh, people are just retiring early. And also the most important part is the chiefs of police. 
you know, the, the executive staffs are also retiring early. So who's going to plug in that hole of leadership in our, in our agencies? So it's something that, uh, that uh, we, we're, we have to be able to mitigate. But the police recruits that we're getting and, and, and all the police departments, uh, academies across the state, when you show up the first day, those recruits are ready to go and they're committed to, to the community. So we're in good hands. Very good. Also, we're getting a lot of uh, college graduates, you know, um, degrees, recruits that, that have higher education. Before, we would just get high school educated uh, recruits. Nothing wrong with that. But we're getting uh, highly educated recruits with a bachelor's degree, uh, military background, very impressed with the applicants that are that are actually uh, joining our ranks. I think that retention is a little bit of the issue that we're dealing uh, when we talk about in the large um, uh, aspect of it. So you bring up a, a lot of great points. We've spoke about this recently and you hit the nail on the head as far as if we can't recruit our own, how are we still getting recruits? That's a testament to those that are still willing to sign up for this job. I think the biggest hesitation why I would tell somebody to be a little bit leery these days and what we've seen is you can literally go out there these days and do everything within policy, legally, morally, ethically correct, and you could still basically get crucified by social media, some politicians, celebrities, athletes, you, you, you name it, you have it. Uh, have you guys seen questions like that coming from some of the newer officers? And if so, what do you say to that? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's that, that part has been um, not challenging. They always have questions. Um, obviously, when they go to the uh, police academy, they're not police officers. They're, they're from a military background. We have uh, uh, people from our community, right? So they see the media, they see Hollywood, and they're asking, you know, can I get in trouble if I do this? Can I get in trouble if I do that? There's a lot of questions. Obviously, they don't, they don't want to make mistakes. And uh, what we tell them is that you need to know the law and when can you stop someone, when can you detain someone, when can you use uh, force, and you need to be a proficient, you need to be a professional, right, uh, more now than ever. Uh, so we, we engrave that in the academy, and, and we tell them once you leave the academy, you have to continue to train and be proficient in your job. It's not just a job, it's a career, right? You have to be proficient in, in everything that you do. And uh, the other part of that is that we need to do a better job educating uh, our politicians, our elected officials, um, the I think that it's going to be a hard job if we, we we educate everybody in our community. But if we have people that have a platform, like TV show hosts and uh, people who have the media, right, who have a, a microphone that 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 reach millions of people, elected officials that uh, we can educate them as to why we don't shoot somebody in the arm or the leg, and uh, you don't <clears throat> you don't go out there and, and say that we can when we when you really don't know with our profession, that creates confusion. It creates doubt and uh, it really spells a, uh, a cloud over us. And, 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 and then they have, they have questions because they think that they're the professionals. If this is a person who's in Congress or this is a person that has a TV show host or, or they has the, the stage, they must know what they're talking about. And a lot of times they don't. So educating those people to make sure that we are, that they are relaying the, the, the information correctly will, will help us in, in that in that aspect, in that angle. And, and I think that's where we're at now, where a lot of people are saying, why do you give these people a platform? Why do you share some of the outrageous things that we see or crazy things that some, some talk show host talks about when she's got nothing, no knowledge or no experience? I think we're at a point now where if we don't respond or answer or challenge or question, 
it becomes acceptable to some of the general public that follow some of these platforms. So I think 100% of the time, and I don't use that number lightly, 100% of the time when some of these people will take advantage of police departments opening their doors, sheriff's departments opening their doors, and seeing some training, scenario-based training, simulation training, things like that, I think their perspective changes. Have you, you don't have to name agencies or specific people, but have you had that experience? Uh, our police department does an incredible job on bringing um, clergy, bringing uh, members of the community. We do a uh, police civilian academy, and, and most of the police departments here in South Florida do an incredible job on building those, those, uh, th that community engagement with members of our community and we bring them in to do uh, simulation, we do scenario-based training. Uh, most of our police departments do that. We, we do that where we bring civilians in, we explain to them the job and we put them in our situation, we put them in situations where they have to uh, critical think, make decisions. And when they leave there, they have a better perspective of what we do and, and, and they, they thank us and they're like, man, I didn't, I didn't even know that you guys did so many things. And um, so that's very beneficial, but I think those numbers are small if we reach out to to bigger audiences, like like I said, like the politicians that that stand in front of a microphone that they have a million followers on 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 you know on Instagram or or, or the sheet, the TV show host that has millions of viewers and bring them in unless they're doing it for other reasons for ratings and they're not doing it because of, of the real reason that they should be doing that then we have a, we have an issue. So education is is very important and doing some PSAs to put the word out. I agree. All right. Uh, no girl said, but is the commitment because of an actual calling to the profession or just for a job with benefits and a pension? Kind of a tough phrased question there, but. Uh, I can, I can, I can talk for myself. Everybody's, you know, uh, different, I guess, you know, um, for 25 years, I've, I've put on the uniform, not knowing that I was going to go home at the end of the night. I've worked weekends, I've worked Christmas, Halloween's, New Year's Eve. Uh, I didn't do that for a job. You know, I have uh, different other offers that I, I can do something else with, with my life. But I love what I do. I change lives every single day. The members of the police academy, the members of our training unit, the members of our police department, we save lives every day. And we train officers to ensure that they're doing the, you know, the, the right thing. So it's, it's not just a job. I don't call it a job. It's, it's a career. Uh, we make a difference. First responders, firefighters, correction officers, uh, police officers, um, nurses first responders are first line of defense and none of those um i think you know maybe a fraction do for for the money but most of us do it because it's a calling and we love what we do and we believe in our profession dads of the future said he holds the standard of knowing your job if you know what you're doing is legally and morally correct you will be okay i would say should be okay i don't know these days if you will 100 percent of the time would you agree with that <laughs> that, that that if but you know if so if you if you if if you don't know if you don't know the legal standards if you don't know if you're not really sure about when to use force and when to stop someone in a split second situation when it's stressful uh, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes so training is not gonna ever eliminate mistakes the more you train you're just gonna mitigate them I don't know if any trainees are gonna be zero mistakes professional athletes right we just had the NFL draft this week and I was looking at it. These guys have been playing football since the age of seven. They're 21 years old. And you see their stats. 
quarterbacks still make mistakes and throw interceptions, and they and they train all the time, right? They have professional coaches, and and they watch film, and they have so many hours of training. Uh, they're never going to eliminate mistakes, and and so our 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 I, I don't think we're athletes, but I I, I kind of uh, look at profession of, of law enforcement kind of like an athlete. You have to train to to a level where you minimize as many mistakes as you can. Why? Because we're the only profession, or other maybe than the military and martial law, that can deprive somebody of their freedom, and they can deprive somebody of their life. And so we have to be. Uh, kind of like an elite athlete so we can minimize as many uh, mistakes as we can. So we keep hearing from the public during these controversial incidents, the police need more training or they're poorly trained or this or that. And then at the same time, we hear defund the police, et cetera. Are we getting enough training? Vaguely, I, just really speaking across the board. Yeah, I, I don't think that police, police um, departments across the country uh, get anywhere near the training that we should get, right? And so, 25 years ago, uh, <clears throat> we never we we the 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 thinking of having a, a tourniquet was never an option, right? So now we have tourniquets. Tour tourniquets are great; they save lives. They save countless of lives. We had a officer in our department who had a tragic accident uh, while he was off duty, and um, a civilian was able to save his life with a tourniquet. Uh, hmm. Fortunately. Lost some legs. He lost both legs or one leg, half of the other leg. Very tragic accident, but uh, he survived. Right? Um, we've seen across the country active shooter situations where people are being are, we're saving lives with tourniquets. But with that tourniquet, we need additional training. We need additional equipment. It's money and training. And I just picked a tourniquet to pick one. That there's so many things that we're doing now that we didn't do before. That uh, it just stacks up one after the other. And it, Society just keeps throwing stuff on us. And so what we did 25 years ago, we, we, we're not doing now, but it seems like we have like, kind of like the same time to train. So something has to give, right? We need either more time or do less things and concentrate on the things that the police were made to do. So I think we could probably agree an average police academy, what, five to six months in duration, give or take a little bit, depending on where you go. So in the state of Florida, in the state of Florida, I don't know about any of but it's more or less the same. In the state of Florida, it's 770 hours. That's what certifies you as a police officer. Um, our police academy is like 1,010. Everybody's a little bit different. You can't go below 770, you know, whatever, 800. So that's approximately six or seven months. And I think the, I think the issue, to kind of piggyback what you're saying, is you're allotted a certain time, but at the same time, we just keep adding more and more and more and more. Right. Yeah, um, the medical component of it is very critical. And again, the tourniquet. So we have, um, and most big, big major departments have more equipment because they have more funding. But uh, so we train with tourniquets, we uh, train with chest seals, right? So we have a lot of active shooters, uh, shooting events happening in our schools, in our, in our malls and commercial buildings. Who's the first person or who's the first responder that goes to these scenes? Patrol officer. Right. So they need those equipment to save lives. You know? um, so, yeah, we need more training. We need more equipment. Um, body cameras, that's something else that they, we need to buy. Right. The, the, the public wants it. The community wants it. Uh, we, we're, we're, now we have to train with that. Right. There's so many tasers. The taser is it's been on for a while, but when it, when it first came out, now you need more training on that. Right. Expandable batons, the hobble. 
so many things that we need to train on um, that it just keeps going. Homeless sensitivity, right? We're dealing with the homeless. We're dealing with, with terrorism. We're dealing with so many things that, um, that require training, requires equipment, and just all that is just time. So it just boils down to a commitment, right? The commitment of whatever jurisdiction you're in, either the county jurisdiction, city jurisdiction, the state, you know, state police, the commitment of the people in power to give us either more money or more time to make us more effective, more efficient. All right, uh, Gianna said, make sure all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted in your reports too. Absolutely critical. <clears throat> question for you. JBB said, what are some of the challenging issues with recruits in the academy? What do recruits struggle with? Um, I would say that, so a lot of recruits, you know, especially the ones that are a little bit older, not older, but, you know, 24, 25, 26, 27, between 25 and 30, they haven't been in school for a long time. You know, now we're going back to studying. There's a lot of studying. We have about 17 to 18 tests that uh, is very grueling, very uh, paramilitary, right? So you have to pass tests. And, and if you haven't been in school for a long time, that can be a little challenging, right? You forgot how to study. You forgot how to take tests. Um, so that's a challenge, testing. Um, a lot of material to to observe to to uh, to observe in a, in a short period of time. So if if you just came out of school, it's a little bit easier, but it's challenging. It's very paramilitary. Um, you have academies that uh, it's academy life, right? Everybody's out there that's that's listening to to the broadcast. Who went through academy understands what we're talking about. You wake up at five in the morning. You go to sleep at eight o'clock at night, maybe, and all day is just your life changes. You're 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 zoned in, and and you have razor focus on what's important and if you have um if you have other hobbies or other you're pre preoccupied with other things you may have trouble because it's so intense in in uh in what you're doing so that's number one number two uh paramilitary meaning that that it's that it's not your normal job right that you have there's a lot of marching there's a lot of yes and no uh there's a lot of discipline you know um it's 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 a uh, it's a culture shock to someone who's not been in the military or in organized sports, right? You have to work as a team. Um, there's a lot of orders that people are giving you. You might not like them, but you have to, you know, um, just do it sometimes. And so if you're not you're not used to working in a team environment or, or like I said, military, um, you, you might. Uh, everybody eventually does it, but there is a a phase that you're gonna have to. Uh, adjust yourself and 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 uh usually about four or five weeks people get it and then and they're they're back on track so whoever's out there who wants to be a police officer you pick the right time it's an incredible opportunity for for us to to get back together to to get back in track and get our our community back to great service that we need we need some great people out there that are committed to our communities committed to to our to our field and um it's it's very gratifying when you help people when you save somebody's life or when you take somebody to jail who really deserves it and, and, and is um, committing crimes that um, that they shouldn't be doing. So it, it's very gratifying. Uh, that's the future. It's important to address the issues, talk about it. It is also important to address mistakes made. I remember when I went through the academy, and you've got about 10-plus years on me, but even when I went through, I mean, we routinely watched videos from the agency from other agencies and we talked about mistakes that were made and things that we could do tactically sound and and better <clears throat> I'm sure you would agree that that takes place these days 
Yeah, we do that. We do that in our academy. And, and again, when I say my academy or our academy, it's it's it's. I'm talking about academies across the country. We have incredible police academies. Um, shout out to Denver. I know that uh, we had a recruit. That's uh, so shout out to her. Uh, incredible academies that have great uh, great instructors, great trainers. So yeah, we break down some films that obviously sometimes we can't discuss too much because we don't know all the details. We kind of wait until it plays out. And uh, we're not criticizing the officer. We just quit, you know, just breaking down what happened here. How can we get better? You know, um, sometimes it's, it's, it's easy to suck it to Monday morning quarterback. And we understand that we don't have all the information, but when we do, we talk about things that happen. And is it a mistake of the head or the mind or is it a mistake of the heart, which are two different things. Right. So uh, we don't want the officers obviously that make mistakes of the heart, you know, um, mistakes of the mind. We can, we can sometimes recover from them and then get better. So, we break down film, we break down incidents, and we tell them, hey, what can you have done better from what you learned in the academy? Uh, let's not repeat this, and let's get better. You know, And we reenact um, situations that have happened uh, in real life, doing our practical uh, exercises, and we, um, we train really hard to ensure that those, those things don't happen. All right, two kind of related questions. Any opinion on this Brazilian jiu-jitsu for all Leo's hype? And then somebody else said, it's important to recognize that whether or not your department offers the training, you still need it. Go out there and get it for yourself. It's your life on the line. Without a doubt, we need more funding. Your thoughts on those two? So uh, when we went through, so the academy in the, in, in the state of Florida provides you with 80 hours of, of defensive tactics training. I'm sure the other academies are different and other states, but 80 hours of training. So that's just a, a certification that you get to, 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 in order to become a police officer, it's 80 hours. Obviously, it's not nowhere enough. So in our police academy, we bumped it up. You have the 80 hours and we added another 50 hours. So we have 100 plus hours of defensive tactics training that's peppered or spread out through the, the entire academy. So there's two things that we're looking at. Let's consistently train throughout the academy to, to build up those skills. Right. A lot of recruits that we've got have never done any form of defensive tactics, any boxing, any kicking. You know, we, we just don't get them. And then we get some that are college wrestlers and we have some guys that wrestle in college or are blue belts in jujitsu. So we have all kinds of levels and we we try from day, you know, from the second week to begin to incorporate defensive tactics throughout the year. So when they go to defensive tactics, they just go in and uh, they apply the techniques they've been learning before. The second thing that that gives, that gives them is the inspiration to continue to do something that they've learned, right? So we're kind of, um, we're kind of telling them, hey, you learned this, continue to do it, continue to get better. Because when you leave here, we all know that, th that all these skills diminish with time. If you're not practicing what you're doing here, whatever you learn here, you're going to go back to zero if you don't continuously train. So continue to train. It's your life to depend on it. Um, unfortunately, that's another section of the police departments across the country that we don't train hardly enough on defensive tactics, if, if at all, right? There's some police departments that don't even have uh, mats, right? So there are some, some of the police departments that are trying to now uh, give uh, officers a bonus or give officers a, um, a credit to go to your local Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, incredible, great. Uh, Krav Maga, whatever it is that you feel like you're doing, do something to protect yourself and to protect others. That also decreases the level of, of force that you have to use with somebody who you're going to apprehend or somebody you have to um, arrest. People who are not 
comfortable fighting or comfortable using defensive tactics are going to use more force than is likely needed because you're just scared and you don't, you're not comfortable. So it's incredibly beneficial. I would just add the caveat to that is you also want to make sure whatever you're doing is approved by the agency because if you get trained to do something from some private gym and then you take that and you go and utilize a technique that may not be approved, could get into a little bit of a headache over there as well. Uh, JBB, I think you just touched on this. Is it common for agencies to have an allowance for training on your own, something like tuition reimbursement for officers willing to do training on their own? That's going to vary agency by agency, I would say. All right. If you go to your, I don't, depending on where you live, if you, if you try to go and you want to do some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or some boxing or kickboxing, man, I don't see, I don't, I don't see you paying more than $150 a month, right? So is $150 worth, worth it? Like that's something, that's a question you have to ask yourself. Uh, a reputable, really good BJJ gym, 150 bucks, you know, so. Mike types in, my family were law enforcement officers because they had a calling. They lived and loved their jobs. With the mass exodus of many officers and fewer new hires, what do you feel may be the long-term outcome of policing? <laughs> Very good question. I think that um, you know, there's there's the, the there are departments that that are are are, are losing or, or suffering from retired officers, you know, uh, early on, and um, I don't I haven't seen that in South Florida or in, or in our in my department or departments that we that we uh, work along with. I think that um, if if we don't if we don't understand that that's a problem, uh, it's going to affect the entire society your entire community right it's not just law enforcement it's just it, it's gonna rip it's gonna be a ripple effect and we've seen this already throughout the country in baltimore homicides are are rising or or they've been rising for a couple of years i don't have to talk about chicago right <laughs> every big city is suffering from that uh the term depolicing right it's it's not a it's it's happening right now we see it right now so uh, the staff and the executive chiefs and 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 members of, of the of the community have we have really have to think about is it worth what we're doing you know we're, we're demonizing police officers to a level where where uh, nobody wants to be a police officer or not nobody but there's a lot of people who are, are rethinking it and um that's that's not good uh, and, and a lot of things are just i think it's misinformation more than anything um uh we have to, what we talked about before, we have to really educate people and, 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 and really convey the message that we're here to save lives. We, we're here to protect people. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I don't have the answer of what's happening in the future or what's going to happen in the future, but we definitely need, we need to have real serious conversations because the people who are affected are the people, the same people who are, who are out there that need our, that need our help. And I, I've said this before on some of our previous episodes, I feel like we're at a point where Law enforcement just keeps getting tasked with more and more and more. And you hear the term give and take, but it just seems to constantly be being, being give, give, give. I've seen so many different outreach efforts from law enforcement agencies across the board, uh, just trying to bridge the gap with the community, trying to put out there, creating these units, creating these task forces, just every single possible way summer camps i mean shop with a cop coffee with a cop ice cream with a cop read with a cop all these different positive things and 
I don't have the answer. I would just like to see a little bit being pushed back, maybe more support, if you will. And I'm sure this varies. Where I work, I'm very fortunate. We tend to have a lot of support. I think it would be very difficult to show up every day going to work with just a tremendous lack of support. And I, I don't know. I think too that just, just one last thing on that. I think that we also have to look at ourselves like, hey, man, what, what, are, it's, what are we doing to make our profession better too? We can't make the mistakes that we're seeing out there. So we can't just kick the football and say, hey, the public doesn't support us. There's a lot of things that police officers are doing that, that, that are wrong. You know, we just got to own up to some of the things. Um, and so we have to help our own image, right? So it's not always just the public. It's what, what, are, we, what are we doing to, to make sure that our, our first-line supervisors are supervising the officers correctly, that we're doing what we signed up to do, you know? So there's also hard conversations on both sides, you know, but it's, it shouldn't be us against them. It should be we're a community. We're here to help. And Whoever needs to go to jail, goes to jail. And if you don't, just treat everybody with respect. A lot of people just want to be treated by respect. And so, you know, young officers that don't probably have a lot of life experience um, need to get a little bit better training and, and understand that that sometimes it's, it's us. You know, look yourself in the mirror and be the change, you know. You know, it's, it's funny you talk about the respect thing. I, I went back and forth with this guy that was very, very anti-law enforcement very negative, very critical. And he gave me this whole story about how a bunch of police officers in Broward stopped him, chained him in front of his own house, held him at gunpoint, handcuffed him. Another police car shows up, a few minutes go by, and then they took him out of handcuffs and let him go. And he had this whole perception that he was stopped because of the color of his skin. And I, I tried to explain to him, he initially told me he was gonna come on the live with us not too long ago and then decided not to. But you talk about respect. And I think the biggest thing we can do in this profession is communication. I was trying to explain to him a similar situation where I was personally involved in. I responded to what came out as a pretty violent call. The suspect description, the suspect had fled on foot and I located a suspect fitting the description in the area. So I stopped the suspect because it was a violent call. My tactics were kind of elevated as, as to be expected. I put him in handcuffs. Long story short, he ends up being in front of his own house. So we had another officer transport the victim. The victim looks and says, no, that's not the same guy. So I had to apologize to this guy. And I said, this is on us. I'm telling you right now, I'm sorry you're upset. I get it. I would be upset too. I'm looking at you. This is the suspect description I had. Look at what you're wearing. You fit the suspect description. So I did everything correct to be safe. At the end of the day, it's not that I was wrong, but we had the wrong guy. If you want to call me an asshole, I get it. I could see how this would upset you. And, and so I, I go back to what you just said about respect and maybe communication. That's an example where I think we could do better. And I can't help but think I wasn't there. I can't help but think that that guy that was telling me his story, it could it had to be something similar to that. Right. Yeah. And we start thinking like, what your incident, how many people do that? How many officers do that? Take the time to explain. All right. That if we, we just leave and leave the guy is just cleaning his dusted shirt, or do we say, hey, listen, this is what happened. Give the man respect. Give him, um, give him his dude time to to explain to them they're, they're persons they're people and then that does that interaction become good for us or does that interaction now multiply by 10 because now he's going to back 
to tell his entire family what happened. So take five minutes to under, to, to explain to the person what happened and, and be sincere about it. There's We're going to make mistakes, but do we just leave and just, or yeah. do we follow up? And, and so, you know, that is, that's extremely important. And then, you know, our, our neighborhood resource officers and our patrol officers building, building relationships with the people they, they work with every day. Every, every engagement that you have up there is an opportunity to, to engage with the public and, and um, not be fake about it, but, but have, um, have some kind of substance uh, uh, conversation so they know that we're real, we're not robots. So for the people these days that are hesitant to approach officers, uh, what did you just say, your neighborhood resource officers? Yeah, so every every police department has kind of like the same kind of um, standard uh, neighborhood resource officer that the, they are responsible for a sector or an area where they make contact with business owners, right? They um, they're attentive to either a small area or a district, and they're um, they're uh, more involved with the everyday operation of how businesses work and and how. Um, uh, community meetings and just attending to their needs. What's, what is the need in this particular area? Every area is different, right? You have a major city like Miami or Fort Lauderdale or Dade County, you have different, neighborhoods have different needs from neighborhoods have a, a problem with, with shootings or another area has a problem with uh, car speeding. Whatever the situation or the problem is, they are more attentive. They, it's kind of like a point of contact for a department where they're more hands-on and so building relationships with those kind of people it's, it's extremely beneficial where you can now build some kind of crime um watch uh, committee or the the police athletic league to uh, to encourage young young people to 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 incorporate with the police department so building relationships is not just overnight it takes years sometimes sure build what you're doing is you're building trust so how do you do that man just one drop at a time. It's 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 not just boof magic. Here we go. It's it takes a long time. And, and there's studies where it shows that areas where they have a strong relationship with the community don't they don't have the problems with rioting. They don't have problems with civil disturbance because the community takes ownership of their own community. So interesting, but it's uh, every day. There's there's work to be done. Perfect segue to another to the next topic. But I also want to touch on that real quick. I. Uh, I wanted to mention, so you, you talk about these neighborhood resource officers. To me, often like that, just like your school resource officers, to the people that are afraid to approach officers, there's all these different units and all these different sections within agencies. School resource officers, neighborhood resource officers, these are officers that are typically not forced to go and work these units. They're there because they want to be there. They want to communicate. They want to help. The, the officers that work in the schools, they want to be there to help the students. So. I, I try preaching this over and over and over. Don't be afraid to go and say hello and just have a conversation, you know? And I, I encourage um, uh, the, your viewers that are not police officers, obviously, uh, to go and uh, to go to your local police department and, um, and request to do a ride along. You know, that's, that's available to anybody that works, um, who lives in the, in the city that, that, uh, that, you, that you're at. Or if you're even you're in college and you're interested in becoming a criminal justice, um, a major and you're you're interested in becoming a police officer do a ride along see how it is pick a friday night <laughs> you know go out there and and, and uh, ride with the police officer so you have a better understanding of what you're doing and uh that's a perfect time to be to talk to him you're gonna be 10 hours in a car you know driving around and you really have a a, a real life 
uh, view of what they do every day. Couldn't agree more. That's that's what sold it for me when I did a ride along. Uh, back the badge six. I've been in and out, but I wanted to get both of your opinions. What do you think about an annual fitness test for all patrol officers? I 1000% support it. I know that there are certain unions that are against it. I, man, I, if you're not in shape and you're doing this profession, shame on you. That's, that's my two cents on it. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think that, uh, providing also, you know, FOP has a, has a large, um, influence on, on what policing does too. And I think that if, um, you know, I think there's, there are some police departments that, that give you, provide you a bonus at the end of the year or, or some tests if you have a, a 30 percentile, uh, there's a Cooper's, there's a Cooper's uh, standard that we use for entry exam for your physical ability test for, for the academy. So there's a percentile. If you meet that percentile twice a year or a quarterly, you'll get 5%, just gives people some incentive that, yeah, the incentive should be on your own so you don't die of a heart attack. And or if you're running after someone that you can, you know, you run two or three blocks or whatever, that you can still be in a fight and handcuffing somebody when, when you're out of breath. So um, it, it, unfortunately, we don't have the mandate, um, but uh, it's, a, it's a great idea to, to keep officers in shape and, and uh, health and health and it's a healthy health benefit to them. I know that there was a local agency in Broward County that incorporated a little bit more of the physical fitness into their annual training. And they got a little bit of pushback from some within. And that's really a shame in my opinion. And also depression, uh, you know, a lot of officers, they, we see a lot of things out there that the, the, you know, the normal people don't do, you know, so see firefighters again, you know, firefighters, correction, nurses, police officers. We see things that 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 people in, in our community don't see. We so there's a there's a increase of depression, drinking, you know, late hours, marriage, divorces. There's it's there's all kinds of stuff. You're working on a Christmas, like I said before. I've worked so many New Year's Eve. I've just I've just missed a bunch of stuff. Family events, you know. Uh, depending on your days off or your schedule, you might work at Christmas or you may not. You know, so that affects your family as well. So exercising and nutrition is extremely important, not only when you're working, but you also want to retire and be able to, to uh, enjoy your, your life as well. So we give so much to, to our community, but we also have to think about our family and ourselves. Somebody said uh, it makes it integral to debrief our training, things we see in the media, and how the instructors and recruits act after training. It's important to walk through all the events to better yourself. I agree. Yeah, we touched on this. Just for the next, uh, let's let's go on to the next segment. I wanted to touch on, take advantage of your experience. So we've seen all these protests, we've seen field force, we've seen riot control, we've seen the batons, we've seen the shields. I don't think that a lot of the, I mean, we could see it on the faces. We just shared a video not long ago of an NYPD officer, and he just looked like just defeated. Let's talk about maybe some of the mental wear and tear uh, that some of these officers might take. I mean, you could get deployed with no notice for an extended period of time. Let me just give you a few minutes to just share. Yeah. So last year was uh, last year was a test. I, I, you know, I've been tested uh, many times in my career. I I, uh, I served as a SWAT officer for seven years in our department. So it wasn't really the physical part of it, and uh, the entire police department, all of my guys, um, were tested last year. First with COVID. You know, it was an incredible time to be a police officer. We had, it changed every day, just the, the stress that, that um, we were under. 
to come to work, balance our family, and then be safe from our community. It was just so many balls to juggle, right? Um, and then, obviously, the the civil unrest that we had to uh, to deal with uh, with uh, the incident that happened in Minnesota. So we uh, we were challenged. We we were we were we were mobilized uh, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and we had in, in our city, we had uh, demonstration for months, you know, uh, so hot summer days, you know, 10, 15 hours a day, sometimes without notice, right. From one day to the other, uh, changing our hours, changing our days. Um, so again, I got to go back to the health, mental health. It, it all boils down to, you know, your family also is taken for, for a ride. You know, they're worried, they're worried about you. Uh, a few years ago, we had an incident in Dallas where five officers were shot and killed during a demonstration. So all those things pop up. Uh, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's happening. You know, you don't know the dangers out there. You only have each other and the training that you have received. And so it creates it creates some stressful situation. We 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 were able to to uh, provide excellent you know service to our community where we were safe. But again, this year we were a little bit on our toes with with a, with a verdict. We were uh, mobilized for for a week. And uh, we still have the entire summer to go. So, you know, we train to to be able to um, to overcome those challenges. But as a police officer, for you guys out there, want to be a police officer, it's not it's not what you see in Hollywood. You know, you're not going to be flying helicopters and uh, flying around, and you're not going to have a shooting every day. It's not as glamorous uh, as you think it is. But but um, it is glamorous in the in the point where you serve every day. You you touch somebody every single day in a different aspect. Uh, if you're a sexual um, battery or, or you're in a sexual unit, you're going to put people in jail who commit atrocities to kids and, and sexual battery. If you're homicide, you're going to solve murders. If you're in a gang unit, you, you, you have so many different elements that we do every single day to, to protect our community. Um, that, that is that it's incredible. But, um, but yeah, we, we were challenged, but uh, we're up for the challenge. But that's what we signed up for. I wanted to, uh, did you see the video that we posted with the, the major? in the vehicle yes sir so, so for me one of the one of my observations and i realized with your rank one of the observations that i made was how stressed and tired that gentleman was yet he's he's a major so it just goes to show you the toll that we're under right now it's literally affecting all different ranks so some people might sit here and say, well, it's a major. He sits behind a desk all day or he might not be out there. I got to tell you, I was surprised to see that from him. What did you have to say or think about that? If, if we look back at Seattle, right, Seattle, the chief of police of Seattle last year, uh, Chief Best, she retired, right? So thanks, yep. because who, who, who's responsible for the police officers at the end of the day? The police chief. Okay. Sure. So every day, police chiefs and majors and all kind, you know, the whole rank, they, they go they go home to bed and they're like, man, I, I, the last thing I want to do is get a phone call at three in the morning that one of my officers was involved in something. So, you know, it, it affects everybody up and down the rank. So um, Chief Best had to retire with the pressure that they're getting in the community. So, and a lot of police officers in Rochester, the entire staff just retired one day. Right. So, you know, they might not be getting the stress in the streets. Right. They get the stress from the community. They get the stress from from the mayor. It's a different kind of stress. City managers, you know, politicians. So they're probably getting it from all angles. And and they have to stand in front of a press conference with 
30 reporters asking them a question about what happened in the street when they weren't even there, you know, so it's, it affects everybody. Uh, somebody said, what Florida EOT do you recommend? And that stands for, for those unaware, that's uh, equivalency of training for the prior certified officers that come to Florida. Go ahead. I I'll piggyback off of you with this. So for those of you who don't know, uh, equivalency of training is if you're a police officer somewhere else, let's say just pick a state, whatever state you want, uh, Texas. New York is the most common one. People are New trying York. to find in New York. New York. The first thing you got to do is you got to go to a, uh, a center, a, uh, a, a, uh, an equivalency center that tells you exactly what you need. Right? Usually it's a high liability courses. First aid, defensive tactics, firearms, and driving. That's usually what it is. Right? So they'll give you a, a printout of what you need, and then you go to a training center, and then they uh, certify you. They watch your equivalency. They watch your proficiency on shooting. Right? You have to qualify. Um, they test you on your uh, your ability to pass the defensive tactics, the driving, and uh, CPR first aid. Then um, you have to take the state exam test, and then you become a certified police officer. So the first thing you got to do out there is go to your training center, um, the training center that, that actually does the analysis of what you need. And then you get a printout and with that paper. You go to your local police academy um, or your training center in the state of Florida, and they'll do that for you. You still got to pass the state exam test. Right. And, and the, the only thing that I would add on to that is if you're going to try to pick and choose, I don't want to say that one is better than the other. I would just say it varies on what area you're looking at. For example, right. if you're looking to be a, a sheriff's deputy or a police officer in one particular area, I would go to the center that's closest to that area. That right. would be my uh, – being in the field, do you experience small riots or protests that do not make the news in South Florida? Uh, our, our news media here does a great job of showing up <laughs> wherever. <laughs> uh, if it's big enough that we have to, um, if it's a riot, then the media is going to go there. We do have a lot of small demonstrations that don't make the news, but uh, then they're not, that, they're not riots. They're just people assembling to, um, you know, we have them. We have everywhere down here, not everywhere, but we, we do have crowds of 20 or 30 to stand in our corner and they'll have, you know, it could be anything from abortion to uh, any political situation or uh, in between. So we, we do have them. If, if it becomes a riot, then they'll get broadcasted. But most of them are just, they're, they're peaceful. They're just um, uh, delivering a message to be heard. Mo most of them are. Somebody asked earlier, and I don't know if we covered it, but somebody asked earlier, over a 25-year career, what's been the biggest change that you've seen in policing? It's definitely vague, but... We, the biggest change is that we're doing more than we ever did with the same amount of time. Like we just talked about, it's just, we, we just keep adding more and more and more. Um, I don't think the police department or police officers are built or meant to deal with the homeless you know that should be some some someone else should be doing that we can assist you know if, if it's a if the homeless uh becomes irate or there's violence obviously uh, someone else that's a professional should be that's it's not a crime right they should be dealing with that uh there's a lot of things that that we shouldn't be doing but you know just keep piling it on and just the police departments are just the band-aid of the problem but the band-aid becomes bigger and bigger now you know how many things the viewers out there right um how many things can you really do 
really good. How many things can you do good? If, if you tell me to do 15 things really good, it's not going to happen, right? So give me four or five things that I can do really good, and let me just concentrate on that. I don't know of any profession that's given more things and, and um, to do and expected to be very, very, very proficient at. So, yeah, the more things people do, the less, um, the less profession they're going to be. Yeah, I mean, on a... Not to make light of it, but you kind of hear frequently people get called to these domestics where you could have a year marriage and you want the police officer to solve something in a few minutes. Or you're, you're having a problem with your 16-year-old child who you've had 16 years to raise. And again, you want the police officer to solve in a few minutes. So yeah, could not agree more with you on that one. There's, there's some states that the police officers don't even do uh, accidents unless there's an injury involved. So the parties... Uh, contact their insurance company and they do it that way. So that's one less thing that, that we deal with. I'm just giving you an example of many that I can give you. But uh, Luce's abatements um, calls, that's not a police issue, a barking dog, you know, things like that are, are and, and there's a host of things that we do that, that we shouldn't be doing and we just end up doing them. You know, that, that nobody else does it. Who who does this? Nobody. Give it to them. <laughs> I and, think that's what it is now. And police departments, police officers adapt great to situations that we, we just make it happen. But uh, it's just a Band-Aid. You know, the easiest uh, comparison that comes to my mind when you say that is canine. So you'll have, you'll have those dogs that are so proficient, not to equate this to dogs, but you'll have dogs that are so damn good at narcotics. Then you'll have dogs that are so good at explosives, dogs that are so good. And if you make that dog do it all, they're bound to decrease their proficiency in some of it. So, kind of thing. All right, Little Gris said, go ahead. Going back to the, so you have narcotics unit, you got SWAT officers, you have bomb guys, you have helicopter. So, the patrol officers right now out there, they're like the, the jack of all trades. It's incredible. They have to know uh, domestic violence law or, 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 you know, court orders, child um, uh, uh, separation laws or, or who, who, what, what child belongs to, to what parent, and you have a drunk in the street, you have a homeless guy, you have uh, so many things. It's like they, they're like a walking lawyer. At the same time, they have to be a sharpshooter, sniper, and then they have to be an athletic uh, track and field runner and then have the answers to everything. Be able to, I don't know, the patrol officers nowadays are, I don't want to I don't, I don't upset the retirees, but they have such a tough, so much tougher job than officers who did it, you know, even 10 years ago. Uh, it's incredible. With a body camera that you get, what other profession has a body camera that you get to dissect every single thing that the person does? It's just, it's, it's incredible what they do. I'm laughing because we have somebody that said, sometimes I'm a plumber, it just depends on the call. <laughs> or we, you know, we're, we're supposed to catch an alligator that slips in the pool. Uh, it's you, you know a uh, funny story on that when i first came to south florida i was in field training on day shift and i will never forget getting dispatched to an alligator call and i said what do you mean an alligator call don't we call animal control and i said no we gotta go i i was <laughs> all right uh, you have time for a quick uh minute story yes go ahead so i was a sergeant in um in a sector and uh, we got a call of a goat right this, this goat just running around the street so uh, my officer calls me and says, "Hey, I've never I've never dealt with this, but there's there's 
did you hear the call? We got a goat running around the street. He's like, yeah, man, I'll meet you there. I want to see this. So this goat was used for Santeria. Santeria is a, a, an Afro-Cuban uh, uh, religion. And so they're using them for that. The, the guy, I guess the goat escaped. And now he's running around the neighborhood, um, escaping through traffic. And we had to somehow corral this goat. And I'm looking at my office like, man, what the, what are we doing? So a goat kind of like chills and we're trying to get animal control. Animal control doesn't want to come out because it's not something that they, they deal with. It's not in their list of animals. So, uh, and going back to community policing, right? So we had all these state county services that did not respond. So I called this guy who owns a business that I used to talk with. He's, I used to um, take my car, my police car to uh, to get car washed. So I called him and said, hey, man, will you be interested in a goat? For some reason, he's a farmer in, in, in another country. He's like, you have a goat? Like, yeah, man, I'm over here and I'm over here. I'll be there in two minutes because you were on the corner. This dude came in with a Jeep, backed it up. Walked, he looked at us. And he's like, this is not a goat. It was a little, it was a goat, but it's not, I guess, goats that he used to. He just walked in there, grabbed the goat by the legs, tied him up, placed him in the car, closed the, the hatch and was like, hey, thank you. And then, like a year later, it's like, "Hey, man, the goat is still in the f no. We put it in the farm. The goat is having fun and is oh. laughing." And those are the things that the patrol officers have to deal with. They have answers for everything. And and so, community policing is also that <laughs> catching goat. I guess. I definitively say I've never been trained on how to catch a goat, so I will be calling that happens. And then you're good. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's right. Uh, I'm laughing again. Somebody said, I have more hats than Foot Locker has shoes. But he else said, wave, say hi, smile, forget who pissed you off earlier. Um, it's important to recognize that we are trying to mend and heal the relationships between police officers and the community. It's a new era of policing, mending an old one. Your thoughts? Yeah, very important um, recognition. Well, you know, our law enforcement is, it's not, it's not the same law enforcement that we did five or 10 years ago. And it, and it changes. We have to evolve with times, you know, um, we get a lot of training in our, in our department on, on everything on, on, on dealing with people. And I think that going back to what you're talking about the police department now that, that, that jogs my memory, <clears throat> we're living in a society now or community that, that a lot of the young people don't communicate verbally. How do they communicate? They text, right? They're, they're, and that's nothing wrong with that. I think technology is great, but that's not what we do in real life. For the police officers, don't text to to people, right? So we have to communicate with them. We have to talk to them. Get out of the car. You know, we can't just be texting, living behind the phone, right? So we started doing something. The last class and this class is there now. We're trying to get them to stand up, go to the classroom, and tell us at the end of the day, give me a two-minute synopsis of what you learned today. So it gives them two things. It gives them, we know if they're paying attention, right? They're not, you know, in the back, that they understood the material and that they're also comfortable speaking in public, right? And that's what you're going to post on a party. You, you can't be, and then that's their peers. So it's even worse because the peers are their peers. That's the toughest. Sure. Uh, so we give them two minutes, give me a summary of what happened and give them more. You stand up and talk and then, and then, and so hopefully it breaks that, that bridge of you have to go out there and talk. And we see that a lot of the officers are very shy. They're very robotic. They don't have a lot of emotions. So we had some scenarios last class that were the, the, the class was great. They knew the elements of the crime, but they weren't sympathetic or empathetic to 
the victim and the role player. So it was a burglary call. They're like, give me your information. We'll have very robotic, right? We'll have a ID out here. We're going to take pictures of this. Give me the point of entry. Man, you're missing like the, we inter- call it the checklist. Right. Checklist. The checklist. But the checklist of empathy wasn't there. So right. at one point, you got to say, man, listen, I'm sorry that this happened to you. This is, um, we'll have our best detective here. We're going to make, make sure that uh, I won't guarantee you that we're going to get the subject. We're going to do the best job we can to make sure that this investigation is completed. I'm sorry what happened to you. This is my card. You know, I'm officer so-and-so. You know, a little bit more of connection. So we're missing that some because of the technology that, that, that exists now that people are not really interacting like they used to. So you commented, and we got this comment from Big JKC, and I couldn't agree more. It says, every law enforcement officer is a community police officer. That's what we forget. Empathy, compassion, and being a human is what it's all about. Correct. Pretty much right Right, what you said. Right what we said. And, and so we have to start early on in the academy. We don't. So, so the police departments hire the eligible pool, right? We, we didn't raise these people, right? We just, we hire them. And so we don't know what life, sometimes we know what life experience. If you're 20 years old, um, doesn't mean that you have, you don't have life experience. We've had 20 year olds that have been in Afghanistan twice. You know, they have plenty of life experience, depending on how you were, were raised. And there's some 20 year olds who mom buys them their clothes, you know? So you have a spectrum age in itself is not an indicator. Sometimes it can be. But life experience is important. You know, sometimes your answer is not in the book. Sometimes you just got to figure things out. And, and that comes with life experience. So um, we, we try our best to, to um, bring that out of them in the academy. And then FTOs are a very critical, important part, right? They're four or five months with them. Um, and then, you know, with time, they, hopefully they'll get it. But life experience is extremely important. All right. So just with uh, only because we're going to be strapped for time we've got about three minutes so take one minute just because we keep getting this question over and over and over from people on our our main page why don't police officers tase people that are armed with a gun or a knife and why don't police officers just shoot somebody in the foot or shoot the knife out of their hand okay so the taser is not meant for encounters where deadly force uh, there's a deadly force situation happening, right? There are, there's a study that LAPD did 2014 to 2017 or 2018, where their police officers uh, used tasers and only 56% of the time it worked. It was efficient, it was effective 56% of the time. So you mean to tell me that in a use of force situation where somebody's gonna die or, um, somebody's going to get killed or there's a high risk of a serious bodily injuries that the weapon that I'm going to use is only 56% effective. That's a big problem, right? So uh, you want a weapon that is going to uh, be as the most effective in that kind of situation, right? So uh, in a situation of a deadly force situation or encounter, I want a weapon that is the most effective. And right now, the firearm, the handgun or the rifle is the most effective right now. 10 years from now, how technology is going, we might have another weapon that can just maybe freeze somebody, <laughs> right, in midair or something. I don't know, right? But for right now, as you're speaking, the most effective weapon is a firearm. In an active shooter situation, right, 
somebody who's actively killing somebody. A taser discharge might not stop that because number one is 56% or 50%. And, and, and every police department has their own little stats. So it's really hard to get a, a, a national st statistics on it, but they're not as effective as a handgun. It depends on what kind of clothing you have on, right? So if you have a coat or you have some kind of gear that doesn't uh, penetrate your skin, how the taser works is two uh, prongs, anchors penetrating your skin, it's not gonna work. Uh, you need two of those to make contact. So if I discharge my taser, and it's called a taser, the taser is a company, but let's go with taser, right? Or axon. If a taser, if one taser hits, the other taser misses, you're not gonna neutralize the subject. So a, a handgun is just one round, a taser is two prongs, and you need four foot clearance to make contact. So there's a lot of dynamic situations, especially in a moving, uh, moving targets or, or moving situations. There's that, that Cleveland, Ohio officer who shot, um, there's a tragic incident, right? Makia Bryant, was it? Yeah, Makia Bryant, yep. Right? Uh, yeah, about that. Yeah. So that was a dynamic situation, right? This person is actively killing somebody. That could be your daughter, that can be whomever, right? If I come out with my taser and I discharge my taser and it's not effective, is that going to stop the stabbing of someone else? No, right? It's, it's not going to stop it. A, a, a handgun is more effective to stop that threat in that particular situation. And that's what I think people don't don't think about when they go and criticize that specific officer, not to go down that rabbit hole with that incident. But had that officer not made the decision he made and had that person been stabbed and killed, the first thing we're going to hear is, why didn't this officer do this? Why didn't this officer do that? So, yeah. And are only effective, you know, 21 to 25 feet. So if you have a threat that's that's beyond that, then then you can't use it. Now, you ask me, can I use a taser, right, in a deadly force situation? The answer is yes, we can, you know, and we do use it. It depends on the, on the circumstances. So I'm not going to say that we always use a handgun when we use a taser. No, we can use a taser in specific situations. Now, do we want to go into specific situations? I can give you just one out of 100, but a situation where there's a static situation, somebody has a knife, right, or somebody has a gun and they're only in danger to themselves and we have distance, right we have cover we have concealment um and we have a second officer with us and i have a deadly force option which is my gun and the other officer can transition to their taser right we can do that um there's certain situations that we can it's not always a, a, a always not always always right we, we have different options that we can do but if you're alone in a situation and, and you and and there's time restraints or windows that are closing you have to use deadly force the taser doesn't provide that effective uh, neutralizing effect just uh, rather than the firearm. This is a good point that somebody typed in, and we spoke about this before too. Even with a handgun, a lot of times, or even most of the time, you need more than one round to stop the threat. It's another right. fact that people don't really consider. There's tasers now that, that you can you can reload it and, and zap somebody twice, but you still have the two prongs, right? You, you need that. Um, and, and around depending on what gun you have, you can have 17 opportunities or 16 opportunities to neutralize someone. And, and it's only as a last resort to, uh, we only use deadly force as a last resort to stop a deadly force or serious bodily injury. My, my fear with everything going on these days, and we'll have to wrap this up because it's going to boot us off in a minute. My fear with these days, everything going on is that people are going to hesitate and you just can't hesitate. People get hurt when we hesitate. I'm going to give you, uh, say, 60 seconds before it boots us off. 
it's been an absolute pleasure. And I really thank you for your time and your experience and sharing. And, and you're welcome anytime to come on here and, and share anything you want to talk about. Closing remarks, about a minute or so. Quick off that space. The, the last thing an officer, I don't, I've never met any officer that wants to go out there and, and, and purposely kill anyone. That doesn't happen. That's just Hollywood. That's movies. That doesn't happen. The officers that are here today watching the show and the civilians out there, we go out there every day to save lives and to make our communities better. There's no officer that wants to go out there and, and kill somebody. We're placing a situation that's unfortunate, it's tragic, but no one out there wants to go out there to get dressed in the morning and say, I'm going to kill someone today. It's just something that, that happens, and there's there's we do our best uh, to provide the best service, customer service that we can for our community. I want to thank uh, you for bringing me in here today. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there who's watching. I want to thank the police officers that are out there watching that uh, provide service to our community, that sacrifice every single day, uh, not only their families, but themselves to make our community better, all communities around the country. Um, shout out to everybody out there. And if you want to be a police officer, this is, a, is never a perfect time. It's only when you think it is. And, and right now, it's a, it's a great time to join our ranks. Make a difference. If you think that you're the person who can make a difference, sign up. Make a difference. They'll be in the sidelines, Monday, quarterback, Monday quarterbacking people who are making the decisions there. Uh, what you're watching TV sometimes is not, um, it, it's not the truth. So go out there and make a difference. Bring ideas with you. Uh, we don't have all the answers. We'll welcome you to, uh, to, our, to our police force to make a community the best we can. Thank you. With that, I thank you very much. And I, I couldn't say anything else to follow up on that. So I hope everybody has a great night. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you.